And the reason why we exist is because the retention around drivers in the trucking industry is horrible. It's right. um, yeah. companies hiring drivers, they spend about five to 10K to acquire the driver. Within 30 to 90 days, that driver will leave to another company. Really? These trucking companies are spending billions of dollars trying to retain talent. And what our platform does, it actually gives trucking companies the peace of mind that they can find a driver without spending 10 grand to acquire one. And also it gives the truck drivers the ability to create their schedule and work at the times that works best for them and allow them to spend more time with their loved one and be more flexible with their working schedule. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insights into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. We'd also like to thank TechCXO for its sponsorship of this podcast. Get proven hands-on C-suite executives to take on an interim role and provide fractional help in lead projects. TechCXO on-demand executive model consistently delivers time and cost savings of 50 to 75% compared to a full-time in-house function. They have helped their clients secure over $4 billion in debt and equity financing and have advised clients on over 200 transactions, including due diligence preparation, and financing alternatives. To learn more, please visit their website at techcxo.com. Hi, and welcome. In this episode, we're going to be speaking with Pierre Laguerre, the founder and CEO of Fleeting, a marketplace that gives trucking companies access to vetted CDL drivers to operate their trucks 24-7. Born and raised in Haiti, Pierre moved to the U.S. when he was 15. His entrepreneurial journey started when he became a truck driver, saving enough money to buy his own truck, which then enabled him to bankroll his own staffing agency. You're going to hear Pierre's inspiring story, and along the way, you'll get some great insights into how diverse suppliers can succeed in today's business landscape. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, welcome, Pierre. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this higher ground. Really appreciate this. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that definitely need to get their stories out there to more people. So what you guys are doing is truly amazing. And I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Speaking of stories, why don't you tell us in your own words, you know, tell us, you know, a little bit about your background, a little bit more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd be more than happy to share. Um, as uh, Adam mentioned, yes, I have a very uh, interesting story. Um, born and raised in Haiti. Um, came here when I was 15 years old. I always tell people, um, Haiti birthed me, but America made me a man because I spent from <laughs> America, that. right? But um, when I was in Haiti as a child, I always envisioned me being a neurologist. I was always amazed by the brain, you know, and simply because when I would do something as a kid, you know, we'll get popped by my moms. And then two minutes later, I'll be right back doing the same thing, right? And I just, <laughs> well, who is doing this? Is it me or is it my brain? that's causing me to go back to do the same thing that I know that I was going to get in trouble from. So ever since early on, I was really amazed with the brain and studying neurologists was something that I was really, really fascinated by. So even when we was in Haiti, I knew about Harvard. I knew Harvard was one of the top universities in the country. So I was always had the dream of going to Harvard and becoming a doctor. And the reality is when I came here in September, 1997, where I landed was totally opposite of what I used to see on TV, all the tall buildings, all the corporate offices where I landed around the time. I would like, would like to say, well, the hood or the ghetto. It was really bad. It was really in Brooklyn at that time. In the early 90s, the norm was really drug dealing. It was gangbanging. Street was filled with crack addict. You know, it was very tough for a young man around those times. And it was at that moment, it was that environment also that shaped my way of thinking. 
because that went from dreaming of being a doctor to saying, okay, well, how do I stay alive in this community, right? I didn't want to become a statistic. I didn't want to become a product of my environment. And I already was seeing what was happening to young men at an early age. And I kind of use that as an example. I said, well, if I don't know what I want to be yet while I live in this community, is one thing for sure. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to become a statistic. So I was always thinking, like, what do I need to do to escape this community? And when we came here, it was just my moms and my four siblings. My dad was in my life. And it was really tough, really trying to find a way. And you could just imagine coming from a different country, not speaking no English, how hard it is to adapt to the culture. So for me, it was also some cultural shock as well, because you're coming from a different country and just kind of just dealing with the new culture and really just trying to find my way around. And eventually I did go to college, but not for what I wanted to go for, which is a neurologist. End up going to college to study electrical engineering. And when in school, still financially, things was a little bit tough for me and my family. And I had to think fast. I had to make a decision. And I said, well, you know what? Maybe I should just get a CDL and just kind of, you know, drive a truck and escape this country, or, you know, just escape this community and don't have to come back. And it was a thought of that I've had. I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it. And one day I just finally decided and made the decision. I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to get my CDL and just become a truck driver. I did graduate high school. So the college I was going to, which is New York City Tech of Technology, I was studying electrical engineering. And once again, due to financial hardship, I said, you know what? I'm going to get my CDL. Finally got my CDL. Then worked for one of the largest companies out right now, which is XPO Logistics. Worked for them for about years and a half. All double trailers, all triples. Learned a lot. Then I went on to work for another trucking company called Performance Food Group. Now, what was interesting about Performance Food Group was I started doing food deliveries in local restaurants, schools, and hospitals. And yes. What's my luck? And I started doing food deliveries in the same school that I was going to, right? Now, that was a crazy experience for me because I was somewhat ashamed, embarrassed about it. I didn't want my friends to see me. I didn't want my professor to see me. And once again, I, well, I used to say luckily or unluckily that I ran into my professor one day, but it was really by, by luck that I ran into him. He said, yeah, is that you? I said, yeah, that's me. And he said, what's going on? Why is you rushing? You know, what's the matter? I said, well, I dropped out of school to become a truck driver and I didn't want to look like a loser. He said, a loser? He said, how much are you making a year? By the time I was doing about 94K a year. And he said, hey, look here, half of the kids is going to graduate and they're not going to see 94K. So he said, I need you to own it, be profitable, and be the best trucker you can be. And that really resonated with me. And this is where my entrepreneurial journey really started in trucking. And as me being a driver, I was always looking for ways to kind of, you know, educate myself about financial literacy. How do I invest money? Because I understand to build wealth in America, you have to, you have to own a business. That was one thing I learned early on in this country is that I never saw a rich employee, right? So I always felt like, okay, well, in order to have wealth in this country, you have to build something. So I said, okay, well, what is it that I need to learn? What is it that I need to do? And I was literally being on the road. I was taking about 60% of my paycheck and I was investing them in the stock market. And I was taking a lot of risk and I was doing a lot of things that I didn't know what I was doing. But it was trial and error, really learned good, became somewhat good at it. One year I did about $57,000 trading one stock in six months. Wow, that's impressive. Most people cannot do that. Very much, yeah, no. Mm -mm. Yeah, <laughs> I purchased my first truck with that money, then became an owner operator. Ah. Now, Yes, that's exactly how the journey started. That's exactly how I got into trucking. And pretty much and from there, just, you know, it's, I never looked back ever since. And there's a lot of things that have happened. Um, after becoming an owner-operator, to, to explain to the audience, when you're a truck driver, well, uh, to explain the difference between a truck driver and an owner-operator, when you're a truck driver, you just work for the company, you show up to work, they give you your paperwork, you get the job done, or you complete your route, you go back home, I mean, you go home, you turn the truck to the company. Now, when you're an owner-operator, it's a different monster. You own the asset, actually. 
Now you have to deal with toll, you deal with fuel, you deal with insurance, you deal with a lot. It's pretty much managing your own business. And here I am, never own a business, owning my very first truck. And I was pretty much bumping my head along the way, learning a lot. But it was very valuable lessons that I was learning. Right. And you didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Right. So it was a huge learning curve yeah. for you. A big step out, yeah. It was a big step out. And now also, too, I tie that back into people always ask, like, did you always have an entrepreneurial spirit? But now when I think about it, back home, my stepdad, he used to be a welder. He used to have his own welding business. And my mom was a seamstress. I never saw my mom go out the house for, for a job. My mom had all her business right there in the house. So I kind of feel like, okay, the entrepreneurial spirit was probably was already in. I just didn't discover it yet, and I just didn't know which way it was going to come out. And eventually, I guess my professor was the one that actually triggered it by saying, hey, look, I need you to be the best you can be in trucking. And that's how the journey started. And being an owner-operator, I uh, got my first truck, really did well, although I learned a lot. But I was eager to learn more about trucking. The more I got into trucking, the more interested I was to know exactly what mixed supply chain goes around, right? So mm -hmm. I bought my truck for six months and went and took a course at Wagner College for supply chain logistics. Oh, and that yep. course was really, really informative. But also what it taught me, it taught me trucking on a macro level. But yeah. I was much more interested, eager to learn trucking on a micro level, day-to-day -day operation. I want right. to understand, like, the pain that drivers are going through, like, mm -hmm. the amount of phone calls drivers have to make to actually secure a load, the negotiation process. So I really wanted to learn more. Then again, I went and took a course to become a freight broker. Now, it mm -hmm. was in that course also that gave me the idea what would be my next business. While I was taking that course to become a freight broker, I don't want to say this like I'm trying to vilify brokers, but what <laughs> I realized is that brokers really make money on truckers' ignorance, right? Mm. Truck drivers don't mm. understand unit economics. Truck mm -hmm. drivers don't understand how to build a relationship with shippers. Mm -hmm. Pretty much they call us cowboys, right? And it's very hard for you to be a driver, to drive an 80,000-pound rig on a highway, make thousands of calls, and still have the personalities, to still have the attitude to build a business. So it's very tough. But yeah. I see that a lot of brokers for, that actually make money on that ignorance um, side for the drivers. So for mm -hmm. me, it didn't resonate with me. I never started a brokerage firm. A uh, few months after I took that course, this is a crazy story, I got into a car accident, all right? Okay. I got into a car accident. Now, when I got my first truck and became an operator, did well for myself, I moved to the suburban um, New Jersey, mm -hmm. got married, I had a child. Pretty much I was doing well for myself. I had yeah. left that community that I had mentioned about and trucking had did that. But a few months after I took that brokerage course, I got into a car accident. It mm -hmm. wasn't in the truck, it was in a personal car. I was in a car with my cousin. And mm -hmm. I got hit by, we got hit by a drunk guy that ran in the back of the car. Oh. He had a 1980 Buick compared to a 2000, well, I think it was a 2006 Nissan Maxima. As you know, these cars, the new cars, is fiber. Oh, yeah. And yep. compared to the old car, that yep. car totaled the back of the car and pretty much messed up my back. I had to have, what, maybe about two surgeries in my back. Oh. I was out of work for 11 months. Wow. Right? Oh, my goodness. Now, being out of work for 11 months, I lost everything that I worked for by earning my truck my home, mm. everything. So I find myself going through a divorce now, getting kicked out of, out of my home and moving right back to Brooklyn in that same community that I had left, right? And that was a reality for me. It was like, oh, well, back to square one. What do I do? And I was thinking, I was just really trying to find ways to get back up, but I really couldn't do anything. And that summer, I read a book called What the CEO Wants You to Know. Uh -huh. right? I believe that was summer 2014. We'll and my add takeaway that to our reading that list. Book, yes. Yes. Definitely should. <laughs> totally. Yeah, my takeaway from that book was volume and profit margin, right? So I said, okay, well, what is it that I can sell 
that's very cheap, whether it's two cent or five cent, but I can sell a million of them per month. So now my brain started thinking. So I was looking for anything. I was looking at buttons. I was looking at zippers. I said, well, maybe I'll go to China and get a million buttons and then come That's back to the fantastic. So I was really trying to think of anything. Unfortunately, I wasn't that creative and couldn't come up with nothing. My car, I had three payments left on my car. My car mm-hmm. got repo. Now I'm walking mm-hmm. everywhere in New York. As you know, New York, everything is close to each other. You necessarily don't even yep. need a car from New York City. Right. Yep. Right. But one thing I was seeing was the glass from the beauty salons, you know, the, the barbershops the restaurants, the yeah. bars, the window glass. And I said, okay, well, who's cleaning those glass? I said, well, if I could get 100 customers pay me $10 per glass, I said, I could make $1,000 a week. I said, before you know it, I'll make some money to buy me another truck and get back into trucking. Yep. So I went and told a friend about it. I said, hey, man, I'm thinking about, you know, starting this window cleaning business. And he looked at me and laughed. He said, man, people are going to think you're a crackhead. I said, oh. <laughs> Like the so one like, car, they want to wash windows and everything. Yes, yes. I, yes. We laugh because we know, we know that. Yes, 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 we do. I said, why do you say that? He said, okay, well, you came from Haiti. You got here. You got your CDL, right? You started driving trucks, making good money. You purchased your own truck. You started driving a BMW. You moved to a suburban New Jersey. And then now you coming back talking about you cleaning windows. He's like, yeah, people are definitely going to think you were smoking crack with that money you was making. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know what? That is true. But I said, right now, I already look like a cracker since I don't have no money. I said, I could care less what no one say. I said, I'd rather, I'd rather look like a cracker with some money right. than look like a cracker with no money at all. I said, oh, you're going to do it with me. He said, well, if you get 50 stores to say yes, then I'll do it with you. I said, bet. I woke up the next morning, 7 in the morning. Ah, oh, man, I took from 7 a.m. to about 1 in the morning. I solicited the entire, pretty much the entire booking, knocking on businesses. Wow. Oh, my name is Pierre. I have a service that specializes in glass cleaning. We'll do it for X, Y, and Z. That day, that same day, I had about 72 stores agree for me to clean their glass. That's amazing. Right? Such a blessing. Yeah. Went oh. home, borrowed $80 from my little sister, went to Home Depot, got me a bucket, got me a scrunchie and some towels, and really called my friend. I said, hey, look, man, we got 76 accounts. What's up? Are you going to do it with me? He said, hey, damn. And that same day, man, we hit the ground running. Now, when I was cleaning window, that was another part also, too, that I was ashamed about. I didn't want people to see me. I would have mm. a hat on, a hoodie on, and covering my face. And no mind you, it was 90 degrees outside. I'm cleaning windows, <laughs> you know, with these things on. So, But when I was right. doing it, you know, the shame was there, to, to be honest. And mm. after we started making money, Little by little, the hat was going off. The hoodie was coming off. Yes. Yeah. The hoodie was coming off. We started making money. And we started being comfortable about it now. Yes. Now, the same yeah. people that I was afraid that would see me, that was thinking like, oh, man, this guy's a bum now. Even those people in our community, they were just so hyped seeing us doing it. And the way we did it, we had uniform on. We made it look like a real franchise. Yeah. Now, well, it was months, a real franchise. Exactly. In three months, we made $62,000 cleaning glass. Wow. Right? $62,000. We had all the Metro PCS stores all the 7-Eleven, T-Mobile stores. We even had some banks. We had that dental, all the dental office in Canarsie. We had all of them. So pretty much, we was running a business. Now, yeah. when I was doing that, I said, I'm not going back to trucking. I said, I'm going to turn this window cleaning business into a million-dollar business because I felt like it was a lot easier than trucking. Well, I was lying to myself. The minute I got <laughs> yeah. that money in my hand, I went right back into trucking, right? Yep. I let them to handle it. I said, hey, look, I know you guys can take care of it. We split some of the money. And I said, okay, I'm going to go back to trucking and build a staffing agency. They was like, yep. man, why are you leaving? We should keep building this. I said, no, trucking is a big problem in trucking. Is that? And the problem I realized was trucking right. companies always looking for qualified talents. 
right? Yep. And drivers always looking to work for a company that can treat them like a human being as mm-hmm. opposed to treating them as a commodity. So mm-hmm. I said, well, what if I, I use the same concept that I used after I read that book, thinking, mm-hmm. um, so that, um, what the CEO wants you to know. So I said, well, what if I start a business where I hire the drivers, groom them, and then outsource them to the trucking companies? How would that work? Right. So I launched the business December 2015. That first month, I did 37K in revenue. The year um, after I did about 786K in revenue, and the year after, I did 1.2 million in revenue. Now, me always having this dream of owning a big fleet of trucks, what I did was I took that proceed, then I started a trucking company. I started yep. with three trucks, and then grew that business to about 16 trucks in six months, and also did over a million dollars in the first year in business. Wow. Right? That is incredible. It was so much learning experience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was running those two businesses simultaneously by myself. I didn't have a team. I couldn't delegate. I was the driver, the supervisor, the sales guys, HR. I was everything in that company. I was running a staffing agency with mm. 65 drivers and about 13 accounts. And I'm running a trucking company with 16 trucks of my own and another additional 10 owner operators, which is 10 drivers that had their own trucks that right. I was managing every day. So pretty much I managed almost about 100 assets per day. By wow. myself. Wow. Anyone will tell you to do that. You need technology in order to manage that much. Yes. Yeah. I was doing yes. everything on a notebook, everything in my head, in my hand. And I was getting my butt kicked, right? Doing it. Right. But I really was right. learning a lot. And the learning wasn't just learning how to drive or run operation. I started to learn or started having empathy for every side of the operation. Started understanding driver's pain point, what works for them and what don't work for them. Started understanding trucking companies' pain point what work for them and what don't work for them and what it is that they can do to kind of improve their bottom line and have more efficient operation. Started learning exactly, you know, the brokers, how they operate. Started learning shippers pain point. But I was going through my own pain going through that. And it was just so hard really to find, I wouldn't say it was hard to find, maybe it was the fact that I just couldn't trust that easy. Just, I just, I guess my delegation skills just wasn't there yet. And I just wanted to do everything in the company. And eventually I started feeling a burnout, as we all know, mm-hmm. companies, yep. Not having a team, you, you, you go, you're definitely going to hit a wall. And mm-hmm. I think that's what it happened to me. My numbers started to fall apart. And in that process, I had a son that was born in 2016, mm-hmm. which was my first boy. And then my second boy was born in 2017. And he was born with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where things got a little crazy for me. When right. I found out that my third child was going to be born with Down syndrome, it was hard for me to accept it. It was now uh, I got yeah. in this mm-hmm. mode. I got into this mindset of feeling like a victim. And I was really questioning God, like, why me? Mm-hmm. Why do I have to have a child with special need? Mm-hmm. When I was running those two businesses, I even went back to my community and showed young men how to get their CEO, how to become mm-hmm. truck drivers. It started working for me. I started employing them. So it felt good knowing that I was helping, you know, putting food on other people's table. Right. But yes. when I found out that my son had Down syndrome. Oh, yeah, I really wanted to question more with God. I said, well, for as much good as I've done, why I have to have a son with special needs. I just couldn't accept right. the idea. Yeah. And I started falling into the victim mindset, started, you know, the pity mindset. And things really started falling apart. And I really couldn't maintain my numbers. I really couldn't maintain my mm-hmm. drivers. I didn't care about no operations. I didn't care about no trucks, no customers. All I cared about, my son. Is my right. son going to be okay? So yeah. my son went into his first surgery in March 2018. Um, everything was good, but not as good as I expected. I mean, everything was good as far as the surgery. But yeah. as far as business-wise, as far as me personally, 
I was all over the place. I really couldn't get it together. And a lot of drivers was calling and say, Pierre, what's going on? We're not being dispatched. What's happening? Mm-hmm. And it was offering mm-hmm. to explain to the drivers what I was going mm-hmm. through personally. Mm-hmm. So one night I decided to put a, a, a dinner together and invite all my drivers and say, hey, look, let me sit down with them and explain to them what's going on to me personally. I don't want them to feel like I just kind of forget about them. So I had a party, invited about 67 drivers came and I explained to them what's going on. I said, hey, look guys, I'm going through something personally with my family mm-hmm. and my son, just bear with me, just give me a couple months, I'll be back. Drivers was asking, hey, can we run the business for you? We don't want to go work anywhere else. What is it that wow. we can do to keep things going? Yeah. Now, I know that, that was very touching, but still for me, I understand drivers is that, you know, kind of giving drivers <laughs> some operation, you might as well just right. business, right? Because the amount yeah. of stuff that I had to learn, I, I just saw it was going to be very hard to leave the operation in their hands to run it. So I said, no, don't worry about it. I get everything under control. If I need to write a letter of recommendation for you to go work at somebody else, I'd be more than happy to do it. As soon as I get back on my feet, I'll let mm-hmm. you guys know. It's like, no, we're not going anywhere. We want to make sure that we stay here until things happen. That same night after I had the party for them, on my way home, my mother came in town to visit my son from Orlando. And I stopped at this restaurant to pick some food for my mother that she liked, which is in a dangerous neighborhood as well in Brooklyn. Yeah. And that night, I was brutally attacked from an attempt carjacking robbery and Whoa. had my skull cracked open. Yes. Like, my forehead right here is not real. Wow. I have a titanium forehead. I have wow. about six staples in my head from left ear to right ear. And now I find myself in a hospital across the street from the same hospital where my son is at fighting uh-huh. for his surgery. So now I'm in Kings County and my son is in Downstate. Both of us in the hospital at the same time. And when I gained consciousness, I remember they was giving me... Um, Come into the hospital and say, hey, look, your son is a fighter. He wants to be here. This guy, you know, he's not giving up. And also it was in that moment that I found my own inner strength as well. And I think God knew exactly what he was doing because that's when I realized. I said, you know, if this guy can fight for his life at three months old, I said, there's no way I'm giving up. I said, God, please get me at this hospital alive. I said, I will build a team. I will add technology to build a tech company and sustainable Mm -hmm. successful company. Just get mm-hmm. me at this hospital alive. And by the grace of God, man, I came out this hospital 12 days later and hit the ground running trying to build. And this is where we are now, you know, from uh, what, 2000, that whole year, 2018, we're just going to pitch competition, pitching investors, saying it's yeah. not going to work. You don't have a team. You don't have a tech. You don't have a tech background. But I knew the problem because I was part of the problem. I was a driver. I know what they go through every day. Right. I understand their pain. And I know drivers going through divorce every day because they don't have time. They don't have the flexibility. Right. So I knew that problem existed. So I kept my heads down. And luckily, we got accepted by Quake Capital in November 2018 to participate nice. in Accelerator. They invested $250,000 into the company, started building the team. And from then, we launched our MVP July 2019. Um, and wow. we started growing about 20% month over month growth. Um, the first year, we did about 500 k in revenue. This year alone, we already on track to 4X what we did in 2019. That's and amazing. Thank you, which the standard is three. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, the standard is three. So at four, you're overperforming. I mean, you're performing. uh, Wow. Yes. So we definitely will try. I mean, we already passed the three X. So now, like I said, we push it for the four X this year, what we did in 2019. And we raised a total of $1.8 million. And I've also won a total almost of a quarter of a million dollars in pitch competition alone. And also recently became the first black man to max out, uh, uh, a crowdfunding platform, really, uh, CBOS, SEC, and that's awesome. seven year Republic. So that's pretty much me and Fleeting. We're still growing. And what Fleeting is, as you said, is, is a platform mm-hmm. that gives shippers mm-hmm. and truck 
companies access to a pool of drivers that can operate their trucks 24-7 around the clock. And the reason why we exist is because the retention around drivers in the trucking industry is horrible. It's right. um, yeah. companies hiring drivers, they're spending about 5 to 10K to acquire the driver. Within 30 to 90 days, that driver will leave to another company. Really? These trucking companies are spending billions of dollars trying to retain talent. And what our platform does, it actually gives trucking companies the peace of mind that they can find a driver without spending 10 grand to acquire one. And also it gives the truck drivers the ability to create their schedule and work at a time that works best for them and allow them to spend more time with their loved one and be more flexible with their working schedule. That's incredible. What a story. That's amazing. Oh my Thank gosh. I still think, I mean, there's a lot more. I mean, I think, uh, I don't think the story's over yet. Because even no, though definitely it's not. It, a lot of challenges, and I think those stories, everything that I've went through has equipped me, has put me in a better position to deal with the challenges mentally that I deal yeah. with as far as building a business, working with investors, dealing with teams. So for me, I always said this, this thing that I live by is that the best thing ever invented to mankind is another 24 hours. As long yeah. as I have another 24 hours, I could change my biology, I could change my surroundings, and I yeah. can change my reality. So oh for that, I'm very grateful. Wow, Pierre, what we're a story. And we're going to keep pushing it. We're going to keep fighting to build a better ecosystem in trucking. Yeah. I love that. That's something else. We'd like to thank the University of Georgia Supply Chain Advisory Board for sponsoring Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. In addition to ensuring the UGA supply chain curriculum meets employers' needs, the board also connects employers with highly qualified students. Join corporate board members like Johnson & Johnson, Home Depot, and the Chick-fil-A to discover and hire tomorrow's supply chain innovators today. To learn more, go to www.terry.uga.edu, click on alumni, and find the supply chain advisory board there. So for companies who are like looking for companies like Fleeting, can you talk to, to us a little bit about how you work with larger organizations? So maybe like a FedEx or a UPS or a performance food groups. Talk to us about how that would work. Yes. So companies like FedEx and performance food, those companies, they still have the same problem, right? Which yeah. is drop retention. And a lot of thing is when you don't have driver, right? You have the opportunity course. These companies, remember, they're spending hundreds of thousand dollars on the asset, which is the truck. You have insurance, you right. have staff that they're paying. And when the asset is just sitting there underutilized, it kind of affects their bottom line. So trucking companies yes. is incentivized to always keep their asset running. Mm -hmm. But the reality in trucking is, is that these drivers that don't have flexibilities. Drivers are working 14 hours per day. They get 10 hours off duty and they have to come right back to work, right? right. And then you have companies that do over the road, these drivers, they do 30, 40 days on the road and then coming home to only see their family twice out of that month and then they have to get right back on the road. Mm -hmm. So we understand trucking companies themselves is already under a lot of pressure to perform on behalf of their shipper partners, right? The shippers don't care. The shippers just want to make sure that their product moves right. from point B, right? Yep. But the trucking company itself, they deal with so much challenges. They're dealing with insurance. They're dealing with driver turnover. So mm -hmm. it's very hard to really run a successful business if you don't find a way to retain your drivers. So for example, a company like FedEx or PFG, they're paying, they're great companies. They pay well, mm -hmm. but we understand that the problem is just not paying for the drivers. Right. It's flexibility component. So these drivers call out, they want days off, but when a driver call out or a driver is going for a week, that trucking company is still on the hook to deliver mm -hmm. that good, that promise that he made to that shipper. So what Fleeting does, it allows these trucking companies to keep their promises to their shipper partners. If their drivers call out or their drivers quit and they need yeah. drivers to actually cover that run, they can count on Fleeting. They can um, they sign an agreement with us as far as what the rates are and pretty much the insurance that we have to have or they have, we request that they have 
once that company is vetted, that company can now go on our platform and put a request and request a driver. And wow. once they put the request to so the drivers that's already in our network, they'll see their request. So they'll see FedEx location in Metuchen, New Jersey. They need six drivers starting at 5 a.m. And they can say that assignment is for two months, for a week, or for a quarter. And the drivers can actually see it, confirm it based on their availability and their own nice. personal those drivers can accept the assignment and show up and get the job done. So we help the drivers keep their promises to their loved ones, and we help the trucking companies keep their promises to their shipper partners. I love yeah. that. That's that's amazing. You know, and I, I think you touched on something, Pierre, that's, that's so vital, right? It's that whole work-life balance. And I think as small business owners and entrepreneurs, sometimes that's lost in the desire to, to get something done. And like you said, an owner operator is a small business owner. So helping them kind of manage that work-life balance, that's a huge benefit that I, I don't even know if the owner operators realize they're getting, but that, that's wonderful to see that that's baked into the tool. Yes. Uh, see, a lot of owner operators don't even realize the, the, the value of that as well. Right. Yeah. Because they're just so used to the norm, right? Owner operators, mm -hmm. they have their own challenges. We have regulation around us, right? We can only work 70 hours per week. Right. As a driver or on an operator. So now let's say you are on an operator, you own the truck, you max your 70 hours Monday to Thursday. Now, mm -hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the asset is sitting down, right? But remember, yep. you're paying insurance on it for 30 days, right? So for yep. us, what we do, we help those owner operators on the days that max their hours, fleeting, put another driver in their truck to help improve ah. their bottom line. So those other three days, they can have a driver operating their trucks and help their income. Also, on operators sometimes is the norm in trucking is that drivers start as drivers, they die as drivers. They mm -hmm. never truly have the upward mobility. They never have the opportunity to become yeah. truly entrepreneurs. And they kind of always have a limit and stay at one truck. So what we also do is we empower these drivers to now become true entrepreneurs where they can own more than one, two trucks and they can register those trucks with us and we keep the drivers in it for them, connected with our shipper partners. Now our owner operator can own one truck that he drives himself and he also has two trucks that is actually generating passive income for him as well. So for me is coming from being a driver, I understand those pain points. Those are the things that I wish that the industry had to offer and since I didn't see no companies doing it, I felt like I had a moral duty and moral obligation to build that for drivers in the industry. I love that. I love that. And, you know, Pierre I, and Adam, I, I didn't get a chance to share this <laughs> right. with you, but Pierre and I got a chance to talk uh, before previously and I've made some introductions for him and continuing to make some. But one of the things that I think I don't, I want to make sure that we, that he shares is when he looks for other owner operators, he goes back to his community and communities that are similar to his. So when you think about partnering with a company like Fleeting, you're not mm -hmm. only building up Fleeting and helping them grow, but you're helping all of these other small business entrepreneurs as well in these underserved communities. So it's tier one, it's tier two, right, just by right, working right. with him. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. And you're making impact in those cities that you wouldn't other in those communities that you wouldn't otherwise. And see, that's an amazing thing to think about too, right? And we start to talk about the ripple effect when we yes. start talking about economic impacts, right? Absolutely. It's huge. It is absolutely huge. So when you're able to reach back to the community like Pierre's doing with his model, you're not just helping your employees, but you're then helping the people that those employees go and spend their money with because now they have more disposable income. They're taking their families out to a restaurant. Maybe they are getting that extra thing for the household. Yes. Right, exactly. Or buying these new clothes. Right. I mean, consumption. Exactly. Exactly. Basic economics. It, grows, it, it grows consumption and you, you shop where you live. So if that you, you're impacting the underserved and underrepresented communities, you're bolstering their economy, 
that brings their economy up. So that ripple effects, like we've talked about before, just strengthens everything from the ground up. It's a very organic way to reach back and actually help do social justice. Yes. Help bring up those communities. Grassroots. Yep, exactly. Economic yep. development. Mm-hmm. I love it. Always. Yeah, I'm I big on social impact. Simply because, look, look at me, right? I come from those communities to be where I am today. Trucking has, you know, helped me achieve that goal. And I believe trucking can do it for millions of others. Yeah. Another thing I want to stress on is that what I find very appalling is that um, trucking is short 200,000 drivers, right? Now, wow. when we have a driver shortage, that's a problem that can impact every American, right? It's not just truck drivers. It's not just the trucking industry. A driver shortage can impact every American citizen. Why? is that if we don't have drivers to move our goods from point A to point B, guess what? Mm-hmm. Most of that goods become higher, right? The shipper cannot find somebody. Oh. So that means that bottle of water that we used to spend a dollar for, it right. becomes $5 because we don't have the qualified personnel to move those freight uh-huh. throughout wow. the country. So, so a driver shortage is a problem that affects everyone in America. And for me, why it's so appalling is how can our industry be short 200,000 drivers mm-hmm. when we have communities where we have young men and young women looking for opportunities, but mm. they don't know which way to go to. The lack of exposures, the lack of you know mm. opportunities, wow. it doesn't exist. So for me, why I'm big on social impact is how do I take trucking and bring it to our communities and bring mm. it to the um, to marginalized communities, bring it to the LGBT communities, bring it to, to especially millennials, right? Millennials mm. looking for work life and balance and. Yeah. That's one thing. That's why we have that shortage, right? Drivers are leaving trucking because trucking doesn't provide that. So freedom, right. our mission is to mm-hmm. destigmatize trucking, is to remove those blockers and making it more appealing, provide that flexibility um, um, option where now a millennial can see, man, maybe I could get a CDL and work two, three days and make $1,000 a week and still right. do other things. Because yeah. once again, our country, our nation depends on trucking. 74% of everything that we consume are moved by trucks. And yeah. if we have an industry where we don't have no drivers to move these goods, that can come back and impact us in a negative way. So for me, that's why social impact and building this platform and creating those opportunities is important, not just to build a multi-billion dollar company and for our shareholders, for our investors to reap the benefit, but I'm looking at the entire country as a whole. And a lot of times people say, well, what can America do for them? And right. for me, I come in here in this country as a young man, America has provided me a lot of opportunity. And I yeah. want to say, what is it that I can do for America as opposed to what can America do for me? That's, and if this that is, is what I can do absolutely to amazing. America, I will do that. Absolutely amazing. So, Pierre, let me ask you a, a quick question. When you look at your new technology that you've developed, do you look at it as being kind of a disruptive technology, right? So that's something that we always talk about in tech startup or or in the tech industry, and, and that is trying to find that disruptive tech. So I don't think I would have ever considered a truck driver as being a gig economy, uh, but it does look like that's where you're taking it to. So talk to us a little bit about maybe that being a disruptive technology, where you see uh, your, your firm is going to go and I don't know, the next five years from now. Talk to us a little about the future. I mean, what an exciting backstory. Give us a peek behind the curtain on where you think uh, you're going to take this company in the next five years. Man, great question. And I'm excited to actually explain that part because when we- (laughs) You never know what I'm going to ask you, so you can't prep for it. (laughs) No, this is actually a great question because I think for the past year or so, the team and I, we've learned a lot on what we're building. And another thing that we took the approach on, we didn't want to rush on building things for truckers or trucking companies. We really wanted to take time out to truly understand what is their pain here? What is it that we're really solving? 
And what we've learned is that there is such a huge opportunity in trucking to say, yes, we I'm confident enough to call it a disruptor in trucking simply because the way we're approaching it, the way we democratize in trucking yeah. and making it accessible yeah. for everyone to get in there, yeah. make it accessible for shippers to move their product a lot more efficient, cost effectively, and also helping trucking companies find drivers. So yeah, to answer that question, we are a disruptor in the space and the mm -hmm. way we're looking at it is, now is we want to become one of the largest trucking company in the country that operates virtually. Awesome. What do I mean by that is for us, by sending our drivers to other trucking companies, we realize drivers wasn't just looking for a good pay, right? Drivers mm -hmm. want that flexibility, that drivers want that upward mobility yeah. that they always display, you know, earn for like in trucking, but trucking just never kind of really make it create an environment to where they treat the drivers as equal. Drivers always get treated as a commodity. Drivers always get treated bottom line. Right. What we learned was drivers is the most valuable asset in trucking because you can have 10,000 trucks, you can have 10,000 customers, but if you don't have that one qualified driver to move that truck from point A to point B, you don't have a business. So what we did was, how do we empower the drivers? Number one, we empower the drivers by giving them the opportunity to become entrepreneurs. Number two, we also help the public at large. So for example, you, Adam and Chloe, you guys can own a truck, right? And call right. it high ground truck and put that <laughs> truck under our platform, right? Mm -hmm. And what we'll do is we keep a driver in that truck, connect yeah. that truck to our partners, yeah. and you guys will receive passive income of owning that truck. So what we're doing is we're oh, saying fascinating. no more corporations only have to own large fleet of trucks. Right. Now we're saying public, the average man or woman in America can yeah. own a truck and make $52,000 a year in passive income where they don't have to work. And why hmm. that makes sense is that if we look at it, we are the consumers in trucking, right? Trucking moves 74% of all freight across the country. Yeah. You consume every day. I'm pretty sure you go to the supermarket, yeah. you go to yeah. the gas station, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you eat, they get by trucking. So now right. your friend, they do the same thing. So the way we position ourselves, we say, well, Chloe can own a truck that move those goods. So whenever her friend goes shopping or anyone else in the country purchase anything, her truck is the one moving those goods and she receives the passive income for her truck being on the road. So to answer the question five years from now, we're looking to be having about 10,000 asset under management and wow. we're looking to do about $500 million a month in revenue. I know those are very aggressive goal, but no, it's not no, I love it. I love opportunity it. is there. And it once is. again, we've seen what COVID has also did. COVID has exposed to people the yes. opportunity in trucking. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. People was really seeing how important trucking is to our industry. So now bringing regular individuals into trucking and allow them to earn that passive income while they're giving us asset to the ac uh, assets, I mean, access to the asset, we mm -hmm. maximize the asset for them. We create the, um, the flexible schedule for the drivers, give the drivers the pay that they deserve. That yeah. way we will be the leader in creating a new norm in trucking and creating a new ecosystem in the transportation space. So yes, Definitely in the next five years, we definitely see ourselves being a multi-billion dollar company. That's amazing. What a vision. What an absolute vision that is. That is fantastic. Um, I, I have one other question for you, okay? So one of the things I loved hearing in your backstory was I went and I learned, and then I went and I read, and then I went and I went and I learned some more. And when I ran into a problem, I went and I learned some more, right? I mean, I, I think in my notes as you were talking, I have like five or six instances where I've said, went back to school started reading books, went back to school, started reading books. In my experience, every successful entrepreneur that I have had the honor of talking to or interviewing or being around, 
they are lifelong learners. I mean, it just, it just doesn't stop, right? They find a topic and they want to learn everything they can about it. Talk to us a little bit. So, you know, part of our audience is going to be entrepreneurs as well too, right? Small and diverse business owners. Talk to somebody who's starting out a business who's like, man, I want to be where Pierre is. Maybe not with all the life hardships, we, you know, but they want to be sitting here having an interview with higher ground going, I want to tell my story. Mm. But I'm hearing learning, learning, learning. Talk to us a little bit, Pierre, about how important constant learning or always learning is in the successful life of an entrepreneur. Man, you don't ever stop learning. If you stop, look, if you stop learning, that means you're either dead or you want to remain ignorant. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? Amen. You stop learning, right? You would never stop learning because even me, I just like I'm always learning. I'm always in learning mode, and also yeah. that comes with your why. Why are you doing this? Why do you want to learn? Yes. Right? Why? Start oh, with why. So important. Start with why. why? Yes. You're not gonna want to learn anything. So for me, my why is number one is my children, my yep. community, and the industry that I've been in for the past two decades. I want to make sure that I leave it in the better place that I found it. I want to make sure I give drivers those opportunities. I want to make sure that I create. Uh, some type of legacy for my family, for my children. So that's my why to doing this. But in order for me to achieve those goals, I know there was so much more that I had to learn. So right. I just kept going back. Like I bumped my head and just kept applying what I've learned. So it's very important to tie your why. Because once you understand why you're doing this, yeah. the, the learning, it becomes part of the process. The, the learning is the process. And yeah. a lot of times yeah. we don't want to go through the learning phase. People just want to stand in front of life and say, hey, life, give me success. No, it doesn't work that way, right? Just mm-hmm. like you have to put in some work first in order to get that success. Just like I can't stand in front of a stove and tell the stove, hey, give me some heat. Well, I have to right. turn the stove on first before <laughs> give me some heat, right? So it's the same thing in life or yep. anything we're doing. We have to learn and we have to be comfortable with knowing that we don't know. We have to be comfortable of saying, hey, look, I don't know this and I need to learn this. We have to become comfortable with failing. Failing yep. has mm-hmm. to be a best friend in any business because once you learn how to fail, you become a master at everything you do. And when you're starting over, right. you don't start from scratch. You always start from experience. So for me, mm-hmm. I've always kind of did myself to fail because that's I know that was the quickest way for me to learn. And mm-hmm. through failing, there's a lot of opportunities. And in a lot of time, people don't start businesses. We don't start this new venture. We don't go into this because the fear of failing, right? Because mm-hmm. the fear of being criticized. People are going to talk about you. Like, example for me, do you know how much pressure it is to be in my position? So all the founders that are listening, do you know how much pressure that come with? Especially after you take money from investors that you say you're going yeah. to build it. That yeah. comes with they come with responsibilities mm-hmm. and they come with a lot of pressure. But guess what? I'm not worrying about that pressure because at the end of the day, the goal, the why, the things that I want to achieve, it's much more bigger than somebody pointing their fingers and saying PFL, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I yep. got comfortable with being uncomfortable. So I think gotcha. that's what uh, that. entrepreneurs need to understand. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yep. Get yes. comfortable with saying, hey, look, you don't know this. A lot of things that I didn't know and how I find myself in a position to learn them is because I was honest with myself, number one. And I yep. was always finding a way to put myself in, in the surrounding where I know there was people that was a lot smarter than me that mm-hmm. I can learn. From. And I will always ask, like, hey, look, what do I need to do? Like, I see you have this. I see you have this lifestyle. I know we both have two totally different paths. But what is it that you did differently than me? Or what is it that I need to do in order to start seeing some of that success? And people will always open their arm, extend their arm to say, hey, look, man, get comfortable with failing. Get comfortable with knowing that you don't know much and you just have to put yourself out there to really Mm -hmm. get to know where you're going. I love that. That's fantastic. That's amazing. Because you know what? I think that oftentimes as as entrepreneurs, and and I can attest to this as well, you know, we don't know 
all the parts, all the moving parts and having the competence to be vulnerable enough to say, you know, I need some help in this area. And then to go and act on it and ask and seek out that help. I don't see that with a lot of people. You know, there's so much pride that gets in the way. But when you think about that pride is getting you in the way of your success. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I love that. I love that you, you know, took those steps to reach out to people who were ahead of you, maybe, you know, where you wanted to be and, and that they welcomed your questions and wanted to help. That's when I know that you're just, you're walking in your purpose because things just start to align and people just want to help you. Yep, absolutely. And another thing with that, that cripple us entrepreneurs, that the fact that we call ourselves entrepreneurs, they think we're supposed to be an expert in everything. So this yeah. is why yes. we, so we don't want to ask questions, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you know, I tell people, no, it's totally the opposite. The entrepreneur is the person that say, hey, look, Ask as much questions you can ask and be comfortable to say you don't know. Entrepreneur does not mean you're an expert. I tell people all the time, be a failing student in the game. Yes. Go learn as much as you can. The entrepreneur does not give you a title to say you know it all. Entrepreneur right. means somebody that went through hell enough. It just refused to give up. That's right. all it is. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? CEO for an entrepreneur means uh, chief everything officer. So, you know, you have to avoid that pit for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, very true. Pierre, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. For our listeners who want to hear more about fleeting, tell us how we find you. How do we get in touch with you? Yes both corporations and people yep. who are interested in being owner operators. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, definitely. I think this would be great for the audience. Um, we actually, um, New Year's, we're really launching this where we allowing regular individuals like yourself to become entrepreneurs where they can own a truck and really make passive income. So if anyone want to reach out, you can find me on LinkedIn um, at Pierre Laguerre. Pierre is P-I-E-R-R-E. Laguerre, L-A-G-U-E-R-R-E. And you can find me on Instagram, which is another social media that I really use a lot. This is how um, I connect with a lot of drivers. I do a lot of uh, a lot of educational videos. So you'll find me on Instagram. Nice. It's Pierre underscore Laguerre 5. So it's Pierre underscore Laguerre 5. So it's the same thing across the line for Twitter, for LinkedIn, it's the same name. You will find me. But I do a lot of those videos and educate truck drivers and educate the public on the do's and don'ts in trucking. And I think that has allowed us to really build a nice niche community of people that really um, showing interest in trucking and trucking is not going anywhere. Right. Once again, no. 74% of everything we touch yeah. is moved by trucks. Right. And I think yeah. no matter of which company is going to make the ecosystem a lot more efficient, a lot more friendly to attract the new talent and fleeting is on track to doing that. We want to destigmatize the space. We want to see more women drivers. We want to see the LGBTQ community. We want to see more marginalized communities take opportunities in trucking. Trucking is the, one of the only industry that you can get a CDL and really start making between 80 to 90K right out the gate without no college Amazing. education. People have it. to understand those opportunities. And for us, people just think trucking is run by an old white guy. Like, no, it's not. There's so <laughs> much people in trucking. We have women, we have white women, we have black women, we have Hispanic. It's a diverse pool of people in trucking. That's I'm just awesome. See that there's opportunity for everyone in the space that they can get a CDL and really start earning by 90K a year and really start becoming real entrepreneurs in this space. So we're excited. And thank you for having me, Chloe. Any questions? Oh, Pierre, any it's been a pleasure. I'd be more than happy to do so. Oh, thank you so much, Pierre. We're happy to have you. And thank you so much. And if there's anything that Adam and I or Higher Ground can do to continue Most to definitely. support your growth, yes. please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Yes. We definitely will do. Definitely will do. Especially with the new initiative that we have, Chloe, we definitely would want to share this with your network. I think a lot of... Um, your shipper um, or carrier connections that you have 
would be ideal for us to talk to. And your audience as well, the, the entrepreneurs, the founders. For me also, allowing a founder to own a truck where they can make passive income while they're building their businesses is ideal because we know how tough it is to be an entrepreneur and keep a job. So find them something to where they can have that passive income and give them that full flexibility to run their businesses is ideal for us. So that's why we're doing it. Really excited about it. Well, sounds good. It sounds like Adam and I should go in on a truck. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you might see. uh, Yeah. We're pulling from this. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to seeing a truck on the highway saying higher ground next to it. Yes. 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 Well, enjoy the rest of your day and we look forward to following your journey. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I look forward to following this journey as well. And let me know if I can make any intro with any founders in my network that you guys can have in your podcast. Be more than happy to do so. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.